And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. People in love with football must be in love with Eden Hazard. Brilliant run by Hazard! Oh, that is absolutely phenomenal! At his best, Eden Hazard was simply majestic, gifted and complex. Today, we'll take a look back at the career of one of the Premier League's all-time greats. I can always remember one guy that I used to love to watch in the Prem. is Eden Hazard. Genius. There's no other word to describe it. He's being punished by opponents and he's not being protected by referees. The bad tackle that is late. Maybe one day we don't have Eden Hazard. So why has Eden called time on an incredible career at just 32? And what really happened at Real Madrid? As many have said, Hazard represented a type of player who wanted to enjoy the game and have fun. Which also begs the question, have we lost that? I'm Ayua Kimwelere and I feel old. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. You like to toy with players? Yeah, <laughs> because I like football. I like football. Still Hazard, can he round it up here? Joining me today, The Athletic's Chelsea writer Liam Toomey and also our tactics writer Michael Cox. We'll also hear from various other guests, including former defenders who actually had to try and stop Eden Hazard over the course of the pod. Right. One of the Premier League's greatest wingers ever, Eden Hazard, has retired at the age of 32. What an announcement that was made. Shocked, actually. Um, I thought maybe you might have a few more, maybe another year in him. Liam, Mr. Chelsea, how did you feel when you saw that tweet that Eden Hazard has indeed retired from football? More sadness than shock because it's been going this way for four years, hasn't it? You could argue that he retired the day he left Chelsea in terms of the Eden Hazard that we were used to seeing. It's been really sad to watch his body break down and and continually let him down over four years at, at Madrid, particularly since I know, and he often spoke about what a dream that move was for him. But it means that now we get to look back at the videos of the goals and the, the dribbles and the tricks and uh, I think remember him for the best version of himself and not not the version that we've seen or more often not seen in the last couple of years. Yeah, Michael, I mean, what, what a player. So many other beautiful memories of such a wonderful winger. Yeah, definitely. He, he feels like a very Premier League player to me in the same way that Thierry Henry did in, in the sense that I think unquestionably English football got to see his best years. I wouldn't say he had that much impact on the Champions League considering his his impact uh, at Chelsea on a consistent basis. So yeah, he, he feels to me like one of the kind of purest Premier League players out there and someone who I think was the best player in the league in, in three separate seasons, 2014-15. He won the player of the year unanimously. I think the best player of that season. 2016-17, the award went to Kante. Uh, I think partly because he'd been so influential for two title winners in a row. But uh, Hazard won Chelsea's player of the season award. There was no doubt 
uh, from those who watched Chelsea week in, week out, who the best player was. And I think even 2018-19, his, his last season at Chelsea, he was putting up some just incredible numbers and uh, was fantastic in that League Cup final that Chelsea lost on penalties. Brilliant in the Europa League final as well. For me, yeah, there aren't too many players who've been the best player in the league in three separate seasons, probably just him and Henri, I would say. But he was, uh, yeah, a wonderful player. Yeah, Liam, let's talk about him coming to Chelsea. I wouldn't say little was known of him. He was doing bits in France already. Um, I look at this tweet we've got here from, what, back in 2012, I think it was, I'm signing for the Champions League winner. When you lot saw that, what was going through your mind about the potential of this player coming to you? And who else was looking at him as well? It was like a social media event before the age of regular social media events in football, if that makes sense. There'd been 18 months of increasing speculation about where Eden Hazard would go because it was so obvious that he was the outstanding young player in Europe and he was being courted by all of the major European clubs. It felt like every single week there was a different story, sometimes with a Hazard quote suggesting he might go to Italy or to Spain or to some of the Premier League giants. And it looked for a lot of that season which was a magnificent one for Hazard in, in France, you know, winning the double with Lille and being comfortably the best player in that, in that league. It looked for a lot of it like Chelsea were completely out of the race because 2011-12 was, was a car crash, most of it for Chelsea. And then they salvage it in the most glorious way possible with, with this Champions League win. And there's very little doubt when you look at the phrasing of that tweet that if Chelsea hadn't won the Champions League in such crazy, unlikely fashion in Munich, that Eden Hazard probably would have ended up going somewhere else. I think Champions League football was was very important to him at that point. And, um, and it was a massive, massive signing for Chelsea. I think w- one of their most important signings this century because it really went on to define the club for, for the next seven years and the way that they built their attacks. We mentioned he was doing bits at Lille and um, won the French League with Lille. First time in so many years for them. And Joe Cole, former Chelsea player, also played with him in that team. And here's what he had to say. Who's the best player you've 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 played with at club football? Oh, club or best player? You played for Liverpool. You played mm. for Chelsea, for West Ham. Oh, oh that's a good question. Because you played with Stevie. Yeah. Uh, no, well, okay. The best, most complete player is Eden Hazard. In terms yeah, yeah. of yeah, in terms of like everything. Better than Stevie. Better than Frank. Better than Didier. Oh. Yeah, because he's my. He's my type, type of player, player and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's hard. I can't, you can't compare Hazard with Drogba or Hazard with Frank or Hadron with Stevie or, mm. I say, but in he terms of like. He before he went to, to Chelsea, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. Play, I played with him before. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he went the sort of same, um, but no, I was just like, like he was me, but a, just a better, slightly better, a better version. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He was like, he was so strong. He had, no, we talked about, like I was never as strong as him. Mm. Like he was so strong, really. honestly, you wouldn't believe it. And then he he had he had the f- left foot, right foot, powerful, just a great player. You surprised he ain't kicked on at Madrid? I am, I am surprised. But what I do think is, I think he's, and I think we're going to see this with a lot of great players in the post Messi and Ronaldo era. His body just wasn't. I think his body's let himself down. Mm. You know, I know he's not a great professional, but his ankles are really bad at that moment. Mm. That's the only reason injuries, body. Whereas Messi and Ronaldo have had this clean run at it for 15 years mm. where they just can just show us their talent. The only, and, and you see the next generation, Haaland and Mbappe, the only thing that can stop them to competing with them is, is longevity. I mean, when did 
Eden Hazard at Lille come into people's radar, but also more importantly, anything influence his his decision to come to Chelsea, other than the Champions League, of course. Well, I think there was a lot of talk at Chelsea after the the deal was agreed about Agent Cole, Joe Cole, spending this year on loan at Lille, just whispering in in Hazard's ear about the. The, the attractions of Chelsea, but Didier Drogba also called him. And when you consider the, the contribution that Drogba made to Chelsea's 2012 Champions League win, he has a lot to do with Hazard ending up at Chelsea overall. He 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 called him and turned on the, the Drogba charm and 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 really convinced him that, that Chelsea was a place where he would be idolised and 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 free to to play the way he wanted to play. But there in terms of that season, you know, he was just doing spectacular things for Lille on a weekly basis and you would just see these clips of goals he was scoring. He scored 20 in the league alone. He was really just carrying a, a, a very talented but very young team that, that proved to be a great kind of Cinderella story on the way to the league on title. He played under quite a few managers at, at Chelsea. I mean, look at the negativity under the time at, at Sarri, but he still persisted as, as one of the top wingers in the league. Well, I mean, played a lot of that season as a centre-forward, really, and did very well. I always actually quite liked him in that role. Uh, there was one goal he scored at home to Liverpool. I think it was a one-all draw where he just showed tremendous intelligence to kind of drag out the Liverpool centre-backs and then run into that space, exploit it himself and score a one-on-one. But yeah, he could he could play from the left. He could play through the middle. Never really saw him much as a number 10, which I think is a role that at times he's looked good in. But yeah, I mean, the one thing you say about him in terms of, you know, his his Premier League contribution, he was never quite a prolific goal scorer. His numbers never really went to the kind of 20th season uh, level where I think you, you kind of sit up and say this is a, a fantastic goal scorer. But as a dribbler and as a passer, he was very, very consistent. And beyond that was just a fantastic entertainer as well. I mean, one of the players I would say who you, you know, most got more appreciation from when you saw him live rather than on television because he was so small, so strong, took a lot of kicks wasn't a diver, wasn't a winger, would would kind of take the kicks and get up and get on with it. And uh, I think people do appreciate that in a player. One of the words I picked out, especially the sentence I picked out for, from his social media, was that I have played and had fun on many pitches around the world. I mean, he really is the epitome of a player that played with a smile on his face. Forget the pressures of being a modern footballer. He just wanted to entertain globally. He, on that pitch, it was so on it and so focused. You must have felt that as Chelsea fans. He was a natural showman and and really a throwback, I think, in in some senses to to, to kind of the great flair players of, of the 90s. If you saw him off the pitch, if you saw him around Chelsea training ground, as I, I did when I went there for press conferences or, or just in mix zones or things like that, he always had a, a, a cheeky grin on his face. He always, he always had kind of wink in his eye and he carried that same feel onto the pitch and you always felt that fun was his priority. And occasionally that was to to Chelsea's detriment because I think, you know, he could at times have been more driven. He could have been more selfish as a player as well. There were lots of times where, you know, Michael mentioned he he wasn't a, he was more of a scorer of great goals than a great goal scorer. And I think partly that was because he didn't have that thing in his brain that some of the great players have where, right, let's get two, let's get three. You know, let's 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 really push and see how far we can go with this. He he was content with getting one goal or one assist and being by universal acclaim in the stadium the best player on the pitch. That was enough for him, and he'd go home happy, and then probably not train very much th- during the week and do the same the following weekend. That that was just the way Hazard was, and I think that 
I always found there was something very relatable about that. You know, he wasn't this this kind of robotic, super determined, unwavering athlete. Uh, he he certainly didn't have a Cristiano Ronaldo mindset, but he he was he was more of a more of a maverick and and definitely definitely a natural entertainer. You know what? A constant source of pain and embarrassment for rival supporters all over the UK. Imagine what it was like to actually play against him. Well, we spoke to two players who did just that in the Premier League: Saul Bamba and first Stephen Corker. Aiden Hazard, what a player! What an incredible player! I was fortunate or, or unfortunate, you could say, to have played against him many times in the Premier League and he was certainly one of the toughest opponents I've ever faced. I mean, his ability, when he's running at you at speed, his ability to go left, go right, it was just, he had everything, he had the full package and he was consistently, you know, a top, top performer in the Premier League and he did that for many, many years and I feel like people have maybe forgotten that, forgotten just how good he really was. What a special player, what a special talent, you know, we've all been fortunate enough to watch him in the Premier League and he'll go down for me as, a, as, as one of the Chelsea greats. My name is Obamba. Eden Hazard is definitely the best player I ever play against. And I play against Messi and Ronaldo, so that's telling you everything you need to know. He was an unbelievable player. Quick, strong, both fit, low center of gravity, so he can go either way. Honestly, he had a whole, absolutely had a whole. I think people will be surprised when I said strong, but he's strong, you know, on his legs. You can't bully him. He's not a big guy, but people think you can you can bully him, but you can't. It's very, very public with uh, my friend here too, he said. He's small and his bum is there. When you put your feet, he put his bum ass like that in the turn. That's why it helped him being, um, being that strong. He definitely know how to use his body to make sure you don't bully him. I remember playing against him in the Premier League with Cardiff and I scored a goal. He was 1-0 up. And I remember Olivier Giroud said to me, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You're going to upset him. And I I said, what? He said, yeah, you upset him, you're going to see. And in five minutes, he's got a hat trick and we lost 4-1. That's how good he was, honestly. By far the best player I ever played against. And wish him all the best in his time and, and he'd be a big miss for football. Yeah, thanks, Sol. And also Stephen Colker as well. You can also read more about the academy that Stephen has set up for release players on The Athletic right now. So make sure you head over and take a look at it. Yaya Toro wrote about this in The Athletic back in 2021. And um, he basically said Eden Hazard's greatest weapon is his derriere, his backside, and, and the strength he possessed with his backside. And I look at when that incredible goal, when Chelsea played Arsenal, Francis Coquelin comes along, he bombs him off the ball, <laughs> Coquelin seen rolling. He, he actually follows through and actually dazzles Koscielny and scores this actually beautiful goal over Czech. Did you notice that his bomb, oh, his derriere was a thing at, at Chelsea? No, ab- absolutely. Coquelin looked like a, a man falling off a bicycle <laughs> in, in, in that goal. But he, he used to do it all the time. He was an absolute master at putting his body and in particular his backside between the ball and the defender. And it, it was, as Michael says, you know, watching him live, you'd notice it even more. Teams would send two or three players at him at a time. He's only got one backside, but still... The likeliest outcome from that scenario was a Chelsea free kick. He he was just impossible to to get the ball cleanly from. And yeah, he, always at the top of the league every year for for completed dribbles. Consistently the most fouled player in the league. You know, we'll come on to what toll that took on his body. But in in the short term, it just made him a phenomenal player to watch. 
Michael, when we think about the greatest Premier League left wingers, um, Ryan Giggs comes to mind and Liam and I was actually saying that Cristiano Ronaldo played on that side as well. He has to be ranked as one of the greatest left wingers in the Premier League for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a kind of interesting player. He was an interesting player in terms of his style because he was, I mean, obviously predominantly cutting inside rather than going down the line like Giggs. Uh, as I said before, he wasn't a prolific goal scorer like Ronaldo. He was almost more of a, a creative dribbler, I suppose. I'd kind of liken him, in a sense, to Robert Piros as being a bit of an all-rounder, not quite a goal, a pure goal scorer or a pure creator or pure dribbler, but could do a bit of everything. And yeah, like I say, for me, three separate seasons, he was the best player in the league. And that is very, very rare. Where would you rank him as the best Premier League wingers out there? Don't be biased. Don't be, be real. Like, real time. No, it's, it's really hard. I think... Um... I think the the one thing he has, as, as Michael said, that that Henri had as well, that you can you can sometimes count against Ronaldo is that it's clear with Henri and and with Hazard that their best years, all of their best years, were in the Premier League, whereas Ronaldo obviously went to another level at Real Madrid. I think he was he was in the top two or three players in the Premier League every single season, bar 2015-16, and I think that's enough to put you. You know, on the podium of left wingers in the Premier League era, I would say I'd say probably I, I would probably have him second behind Ronaldo in terms of peak level, but he was probably at a high level longer than Ronaldo was in the league, if that makes sense. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akinwalere. Football is bigger and more complicated than ever before. Just ask VAR. Check complete. It's fine. Perfect. Yeah. So the Daily Football Briefing is here to help, whether it's the World Cup. It's a kind of face-saving, everyone's happy, no one's a loser. Lionel Messi. As they say, he completed football. Or Manchester United. I mean, the performances all season have been questionable. That are making you quizzical. The Daily Football Briefing has all the answers you need for every football story that matters. And it does exactly what the name suggests. It's daily, it's brief... And it's all about football. The Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Right, let's talk about Eden Hazard and Real Madrid. Where did it all go wrong? Well, here's the Athletics' Guillermo Rai to tell us more. Eden Hazard's career, despite his skills, his quality, despite Real Madrid's huge investment of over 100 million euro in, in 2019, can be some up in one Champions League game. It was four years ago, but it has stayed in the memory of Real Madrid fans 
since then because on that ill-fated night, the seven, Eden Hazard was the leader of the team. He was in a great moment, but an accidental fall by his compatriot Menier injured Hazard for three months. However, since then, Hazard never recovered, never bounced back. The history of, of Hazard is ultimately what he could have been because of his enormous quality, which no one dares to question, and what he has finally been. Probably now that we are living in Bellingham's happier days, it is unfair to make a millimetric comparison. Their players are different stages of, the, of their careers, but both prove one thing. At Madrid, you have to land on your feet. And while Hazard may have always had the affection of the Santiago Bernabeu fans, Jude Bellingham has won them over. A matter of luck and probably a matter of personality. Liam, what do you make of his time at Real Madrid? If I'm honest, I... You know, I, I covered Hazard a lot that that final season, the final two seasons at Chelsea, and I feared for him going to Madrid. And it, obviously, none of us could foresee his body breaking down the way it did. But it was it was more about the the culture clash. You know, ha Hazard was not uh, your your typical Galactico. He was very very happy living a quiet life at Cobham, not being a celebrity, and just being known for being really really good at football whenever he went onto the onto the pitch and that that's not enough at Real Madrid and more importantly you don't get allowances for the things that you don't want to do at Real Madrid like at Chelsea he could go through training sessions at 20-30% because he got that leeway from all of his coaches from all of his teammates they all knew he would deliver more often than not when it counted and you can do that when you're the easily the best player at a club at Real Madrid he was never going to be easily the best player at the club he was going to be part of a galaxy of stars. Liam, I'm just thinking about another player who's sort of making this adjustment to La Liga and Real Madrid in particular, Jude Bellingham, young lad, um, much younger than when Hazard obviously went to Real Madrid, but wearing it slightly differently. They've lost Karim Benzema and you wouldn't notice. This kid just keeps banging in goals. What do you think that difference is in how they both settled into the club? Well, I, th I think the... The first caveat is that Bellingham doesn't have the miles on his body coming in that Hazard did. But I think it was clear even when Bellingham was at Dortmund that he had the kind of mentality for such a young age that would suit Real Madrid down to the ground. Like he's He's got so much confidence within himself. He's got the confidence to hold teammates to account and not be cowed by superstar names you know he there were reports of him doing that at Dortmund and actually annoying the more senior players because he was really holding their feet to the fire for mistakes and that's kind of what Real Madrid expects of you and and Hazard is is such a laid-back easygoing character that I, I, again I think he's 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 like a throwback flair player not someone who's going to emerge as like a loud voice and a leader in the dressing room I think you could probably see Bellingham in, in a few years being a, a contender for the Real Madrid captaincy Hazard would would never have really been that unless you were just subscribing to the the school of give it to your best player Hazard wasn't going to be Real Madrid's clearly best player and that was part of the problem as well you're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Lovely ball, Hazard can settle it all here and does. Eden Hazard for Belgium, 2-0 and it looks like... So how is Hazard viewed back in his own country? We asked Belgian writer Christophe Terrer to tell us more. Eden Hazard's retirement doesn't really come as a surprise for most Belgians. Of course, uh, some people are sad that he retires at the age of 32, thinking he still has a few good seasons in him on, on the lower level, but he just wants to have fun. He's, he's always seen football as fun, not as a profession. During his, his last months at Real Madrid, before the period uh, after the World Cup, he basically lost fun. He didn't enjoy himself anymore because he didn't play. He was fit, but Carlo Charlotti didn't use him anymore. And that's why he got a bit uh, agitated. And that's why he terminated his contract too uh, after Madrid after, because yeah, he saw no future over there and he saw no enjoyment. That's been always the key in his career, enjoying football, and he didn't enjoy it anymore. During the summer, people tried to talk to him, tried to convince him to, uh, to have another season, but he's always been the guy that's, that's been happy with 60%, not with 100%, like having the hunger of, of guys like Ronaldo or Messi, going, keep on going and going. He just wanted to have fun, and when he lost fun, he just retired. And, if it's the right time, I don't know, but everywhere he would have gone, everybody would have kept on comparing Eden Hazard to the Eden Hazard that he was at Chelsea, basically. So everybody still expects of him the highest level, while he probably doesn't have that in him anymore with his injury struggles, missing lots of pre-seasons, while not being able to cope with the intensity of, of top football anymore. And of course, there were also clubs who had doubts about his physical status. So I think in the end, he took the right decision. And yeah, next week he's playing a game in, in Calais. It's uh, an exhibition game with all professionals. He's in a team with Didier Deschamps, the France national manager. So just playing football for fun. And that's what we might see more of him him playing in uh, in those exhibition games uh, playing for fun yeah an important player for many teams but belgium in particular you know y- you think about the sort of new generation this golden generation spearheaded by uh, michel sablon you know the technical director the the Bruyners, the hazards of this world um, the lukaku's of this world as well do you think he is now sort of a marker of that dying breed of, of, of the Belgian golden age. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. I think um, I think that's the thing with the golden generation. It, it tends not to be followed by something comparable. And of course, you can say that they, they fell short because they didn't win anything. But 
I think their progress was generally pretty good. 2016 was the tournament where I think they, they flopped a bit with that defeat to Wales, but 2018, they were absolutely fantastic. I think Hazard was was very close to being the best player at that World Cup. And yeah, there were some great moments for him in a Belgium shirt. He actually took quite a long time to get going. He didn't score any goals uh, in his first 22 caps for Belgium. And he was kind of looking lively without real much end product. But I guess roughly the same time as he, he starred for Chelsea, he was very, very consistent for Belgium. He was, I mean, to kind of reference something that Liam said, he was their captain. And certainly not because of his classic leadership qualities, but because he he was the best player. He led by example. And I think the rest of the, he's the kind of player, I think players judge other players on talent. And he had enormous talent. And I think he was very well respected in the rest of the Belgium side. And yeah, I mean, you look at his record uh, by the end, he scored 33 international goals. I think he had great longevity, despite the fact he retired um, at the end of the last World Cup at, at 31. He got 126 caps. So maybe maybe Belgium, a little bit like Hazard, will be spoken of as what might have been. But in both cases, I'd say, well, they, they were still something pretty special. We may just... Best player in the Premier League. We have lost a particular kind of player in, in, in the game. And I was just thinking, actually, Hazard's one of my favourite players because he also represents something very similar to my other favourite players, Ronaldinho, Maradona, you know, that mad genius and not necessarily having to do all the legwork in training either. Do you think we have lost this kind of beautiful generation of players that just turn up and play it for the joy of the game? I don't know if we've lost it forever because I think football can be... I think football can operate in cycles and, and we are right now in the age of the system super coach. You know, it's, this is all influenced by Guardiola and Klopp and their success uh, with their respective styles and what people have taken from that. Uh, and now everyone has to press, everyone has to attack, defend uh, as one, everyone has to be comfortable on the ball. You're not really allowed passengers or mavericks. But I think at the top level, in the end, football will always be about the talent and the, the truly transcendent talents demand that you that, that, that you build systems that maximise them. And I think that was also the story of, of Hazard's Chelsea career was all of these vaunted coaches would be appointed from around Europe, come to Chelsea with an idea of how they wanted to play, particularly towards the end when you had guys like Sarri who were, you know, highly associated with a system and a style of football. And then they would see Hazard and go, actually, our best plan is just to give him the ball, <laughs> really. And they wouldn't necessarily be too happy about it, but they would all end up adapting their systems to get him on the ball as much as possible in areas where he could be most effective and to cover for what he either wasn't capable or wasn't willing to do defensively. And I think to an extent that will always be the case. If the, if the talent is great enough, and Hazard was in his prime a great enough talent to, to merit this, then accommodations tactically will always be made for them. I'm thinking about this current crop of managers like Klopp or, or, or Guardiola. Can a player like Hazard, peak Hazard, fit into this squad that's so well drilled in their positioning on the field? I think it's tough. I think at times, you know, his lack of defensive discipline did cost Chelsea. I remember that semi-final against uh, Atletico Madrid in 2014. He twice let Juan Fran, I think, run off the back of him uh, and get crosses in for two crucial goals. So, yeah, I think it is difficult. I mean, we should say that, obviously, 
Guardiola did get the best out of Leo Messi when he was a young player. And, you know, at that point, I suppose Messi was a little bit more diligent defensively and, and good in terms of pressing. But I think when you've got a player like Hazard, they do tend to get acceptance from their teammates that they don't have to train at 100%. They don't have to do as much defensive work as long as they're still saving their energy and producing the goods in the final third. Um, and I think certain managers as well are, are kind of minded towards that. But yeah, we are certainly in an era of, I think more than anything else, just heavy pressing. Pressing seems to be the thing that dominates most games of football at the moment. And Hazard, I guess, never really played in a heavy pressing side. I think he was at his best under Mourinho and Conte, who were a bit more reactive, happy to play on the break. And of course, Hazard with his dribbling and his quick decision making was just perfect for that style. This big question, did he do enough in his career? Did he fulfil his potential? I mean, yes, I would say. Didn't win the World Cup, didn't win the Euros, but an incredibly established player. I've had this debate with, with friends, this very debate about whether Hazard's fulfilled his potential. And my, my feeling on it is always, isn't your potential, your particular potential tied to your personality? Okay, maybe if you transplanted like Cristiano Ronaldo's brain his attitude into Eden Hazard's body maybe he he could have eked out more of his incredible talent maybe maybe he could have got more goals maybe he could have got more assists and and maybe he could have won a little bit more and maybe lasted a little bit longer at the at the highest level but that was all part of what made Hazard Hazard you know the the fact that he wasn't a natural killer the fact that he was more of a showman the fact that he he didn't really want to you know, eat seeds and <laughs> sleep in an oxygen tent. I mean, that sounds like the most boring life ever. <laughs> the, the fact that when he was on vacation, he's on vacation. You know, I think I, I always found something very charming and relatable about that. And I, I think you can't separate that from the talent because it was all part of the same package that was Eden Hazard. And I, I think for given his talent and given his personality, I think he had an amazing career. He's won league titles in three different countries as Michael said, 126 Belgium caps, the, the greatest player of a golden generation at international level. The one way in which he may be paid for it was that, you know, his his top level career was essentially over at 28 because of, but, but that was because of injuries as well as maybe because he didn't look after his body as well as some footballers do. So I, I, overall, I think, you know, put it this way, I don't think Eden Hazard's going to look back on his career and have any regrets. Yeah, Michael, you beautifully tweeted that um, the great ranks of giving ball boys a good kicking as well. <laughs> yeah, I saw that beautiful tweet, a beautiful eulogy on Eden Hazard. You know, he loves giving a ball boy a kick, doesn't he? I think, honestly, one of my funniest moments watching football, I was in a pub full of Chelsea fans who were just absolutely appalled that a player could get sent off for kicking a ball boy because I don't think anyone had ever really considered that. But yeah, I mean, the ball boy was... So the good thing about that was... Someone found that ball boy's Twitter account that evening and he'd tweeted uh, something along the lines of back to being a ball boy today, uh, hashtag needed for time wasting. So the ball boy knew exactly what he was doing. And I thought Hazard's actions were actually quite reasonable, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he was, he was just quite good fun, I think. I mean, a lot of the things that he did were, as Liam says, quite likeable. Even, even the fact that he... Uh, you know, when he fell out with Mourinho, he kind of just went, yeah, this, I'm not going to work for this guy anymore and and kind of just had the season off while still playing really, really well for Belgium at that point, which I found quite funny. I mean, just to go back to what you're discussing in terms of 
lack of international honours. I mean, I really, when you're considering a player's legacy, I mean, no one, no one makes that thing about Maldini or Zico. Like these are all-time greats, and no one says they didn't win anything at international level, so they can't be all-time greats. The one thing I'd say with Hazard is, and I say this as someone who absolutely adored him as a player, his Champions League record was quite poor. You know, I don't think there's that much excuse for that. He, he had a few bashes at it with Chelsea, Real Madrid. I, I think the injuries came into it, but I can't. Liam, you you follow Chelsea much more closely than me. I can't remember many good, great Champions League performances from him. In fact, the the European performance that comes to mind is the Europa League final in 2019 against Arsenal. And you know, with all due respect to the Europa League. I think that kind of sums up his continental career. He, he he did it on the Europa League. He maybe didn't really do it in the Champions League. Yeah, I think if you were if you were speaking in his defence on that, I think you'd, you'd say two of the seven years that he was at Chelsea, they weren't in the Champions League. And of the other years, how many years did they actually have a team that was really capable of winning it? I'd argue maybe once, which was the season after they won in 2014-15, but that was the Mourinho unravelling season. So I think with the Champions League, there's an, there's an element of things having to align in your favour as well. But there, that you could probably you can maybe make a case that you know some of Hazard's shortcomings. You spoke about him not tracking Juan Fran um, in that in that semi final, which obviously Mourinho called him out on publicly. That that may have been an issue as well, Hazard's individualistic nature. When you look at the way Chelsea won the Champions League only two years after he left, and that was an extremely collective coached triumph under Thomas Tuchel, I don't think that would have been possible if Hazard's still in the team because he's just too much of an individual. Uh, not in a selfish way, but just the way that he approaches the game. So that that's probably valid. And I, I think he, he he had a couple of games. It felt like Chelsea played PSG every year when, when he was when he was in the, in his Champions League days at Chelsea. And, and he didn't really make a mark on those games, uh, as you'd expect. But Michael also flags up the Europa League final. It, it felt like because he knew that was his final game for Chelsea, he was determined to write his own ending. Uh, and, and he did that emphatically. Michael, Liam, thanks for your time. And don't forget, you can read from these two and sign up to The Athletic for $1.99 a month for 12 months at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beale. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. The Athletic.